Hello and you're very welcome back to Series 4 of The Public Eye, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I will be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today, I'm joined by an old friend, Ricky Neal, founder of RNN Communications. Ricky, you're very welcome to the Public Eye podcast. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I am pleased to be here. Well, I'm going to give everyone a little bit of background into RNN Communications for those who may not be familiar with it. RNN Communications delivers results-focused, integrated campaigns utilising the full suite of comms and PR tools, from sponsorship and media relations to trade programmes and crisis management. They're on top of their game and are the comms partner of choice for many international brands, leading Irish companies and SMEs. Now, Ricky here founded RNN Comms back in 2013 with the aim of creating a new breed of PR and a communications agency. She's gone on to grow the business significantly, developing an incredible agency culture, attracting a team of fantastic creative people who love what they do. And she's been picking up a host of awards along the way. So, Ricky, that's a little bit of an intro. Sometimes it's easier for me to do than for, for you to do the yeah, elevator absolutely. pitch. But let's go right back and start at the beginning. Um, so, home's bound a hinge for you, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, no problem, Sarah. Well, um, I was born in Toronto. Oh, wow. So, my um, parents immigrated there in the 70s. And um, so, yeah, I was born in North York, a uh, hospital in Toronto, and then they decided to return to Northern Ireland. So I only spent a little time in Canada and I uh, grew up in Balnehinch. Um, I still live in Balnehinch today. And um, I attended Down High Grammar and Down Patrick. And I actually um, studied for a foundation course in art and design here in Newry, oh. just for one year. Right. I then moved on and studied fine applied art. So it was a little bit of a different route perhaps yes. into communications. Um, when I was looking back at that time, I was thinking, you know, even then I was quite commercial. So my degree show, I got it sponsored. I had billboards and light boxes. Um, my placement was in Northern Woman. I secured that myself mm. because I was into that fashion brands advertising. So I really, um, I guess, I presumed my route might have been advertising. So I studied um, a master's in communications, PR and advertising. But at the same time, had a job. I got a job, an opening in a PR agency, which opened that world to me. Um, so and what was that like then? Did you suddenly? I mean, just looking at you, Ricky, I love your style. Your, you know, you never turn up without that game face on. You always look fabulous and a little bit quirky and definitely a creative. You know that as soon as you see you. But the PR side of things, um, did you did you did you spark as soon as you found this world? I don't know if I would say I sparked now, but I... That's a new term. I yeah, just made that up. I like that term. <laughs> um, but 
I did love it. I love the cut and thrust of it. So I do get bored very easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always been um, my MO. And uh, that did not happen in PR agency. So it was a diversity of clients that working on different projects, different sectors. And the agency I joined worked both in the north and south of Ireland, which was quite different at that time. So, you know, you're talking 20 years ago when it wasn't just as easy to do a photo call in Dublin as it may no. be now. But I did love that. I love the challenge of it. But that all island scope, I mean, that's that's always been something that you've been passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how would you describe that now? Uh, obviously, we've been through a pandemic, we've got Brexit, but do, do you feel it's very different or are, are you happy to do the mix of North and South? I love the mix. Yeah. I love the diversity of it. Um, I love uh, the different approaches. When we work in Dublin, um, you know, 50% of our clients are in Dublin. So we get to go in with big, big ideas and, and activate those. Um, the market is very different in Northern Ireland, but equally it's my home. Um, I love helping small businesses and seeing them grow. Um, and actually, during the pandemic, we um, took on some new work and it's in European countries. Mm. So we work now in Belgium and Germany. Gosh. So, I mean, yeah, there's challenges, but it's just about finding a way around them. So yeah, talk us through that then. How did where where is your office based then? Because I know you're from, as I said, Balnahinch. Yeah. But did you all suddenly move from a headquarters and you know working from home and all of that? Yes. So whenever I founded RNN, so really I was working on my own as a freelancer. Um, I had a job in an agency for many years. I worked my way up from the coffee girl to the MD for Ireland. So when I was 30, I was MD for Ireland. Wow. That was awesome. That's what I wanted. And then I got this job and I was like, mm, I don't actually think I really want this. So I was, um, I guess, part of a bigger wheel. Um, but what I really wanted to be was a bit more central to that. So I decided to step away um, and I had no job to go to. But I didn't have... I guess any breaks because I had a few potential clients come to me straight away. So I finished on the Friday, started to work for myself on the Monday. Goodness. And um, so I worked freelance essentially and the work started to tip over into not being enjoyable anymore in that I always loved my work, but it was seven days a week. Mm -hmm. So at that point it was, okay, we're going to give this a real proper go. So I had a bit of ground and I thought, well, I'm going to build an eco office. I'm very interested in renewable technologies and sustainability. So we built um, an office in County Down. And um, it was uh, my from my desire to still work cross-border. So I still wanted to work in the south, still wanted to work in the north. So it didn't make sense to go to Dublin no. or to Belfast. This was perfect. Yeah. So we built this office. And um, so uh, that's where the team work from. Um, I always offered quite flexible working. People set their own hours, um, depending on what works best for them. Some people love to work, like Jolene loves to be in at eight. She is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas some other people, like me actually, I have a bit of a morning routine. I like to do things in the morning. So I generally don't start until nine or half nine. That I work late okay. in the evening. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, we just find what works for us. And you know, we, also, we already offered um, working from home. So that was one of the easiest shifts to make actually. Uh, we already had all of our files in the cloud. We had um, our, you know, phones diverted. Like, that was all quite simple. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting used to people being apart all of the time was more the adjustment. Right. And then, you know, getting clients further afield, how did that come about? So we um, work with a really diverse client base. So 
we work with SMEs, which I thoroughly enjoy. I love seeing how we can take those SMEs further. We work with brands on an all-Ireland basis, and then we work with international brands. So we deliver um, social media strategy for a number of brands. And as you know, the pandemic closed in, um, opportunities started to appear in different countries where brands may not have invested so much in their social, but realised that that was going to be their only channel for a period of time. Mm-hmm. We already knew the brand well. We were a trusted partner. Mm-hmm. So they asked um, me, would we take on some additional countries? And um, not knowing a word of German, I thought, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. we will find a way to do this. Yeah. And that's what we've done. Goodness me. I, I, I just love that. I love the fact that you've got that real get up and go and that drive and that energy. So while many other business over this last year, you know, they've had to really learn how to think outside the box, to pivot, to diversify, to be agile. But you kind of were there already. You love that. You thrive on that. And evolving is is really important to you and being able to evolve. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that is a purpose of mine. Um I'm not here to be normal or create anything that's normal. Um, we are here to push boundaries. But, you know, I don't, I, neither do I want to depict that it was all roses in the garden no. because it certainly was um, difficult, especially initially. We work in the events game. So, you know, quite early on, we were starting to make a call towards end of February about some events that were looking dicey, starting to cancel those as March at Crepton, we were cancelling more and more of those events. Mm. Um, all of our plans went um, basically astray. And then panic set in for basically everyone. Right. Um, and how did you cope? I mean, do you remember a particular moment when the panic set in? Yes. Right. Because uh, just before, um, I, I'll maybe talk about this later on, but one of my uh, pastimes is I do like to holiday on my own sometimes. So I had a retreat booked no. for the week before um, lockdown. So I had been monitoring um, just how this was working at a European level and how it was happening in Spain, which is where I was going. I decided not to go. And um, then early on, I thought, this is not looking good. Plus, I had a, you know I have a friend who lives in Milan and was keeping me updated uh, on Italy. So I started to send everyone home from well before lockdown. So we were working remotely a good two weeks before there was a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, s- the big thing was making sure everyone was okay mm-hmm. and everyone's family was okay. Um, so I guess, yeah, at the start there was quite a bit of panic. That transitioned to April and then I really got my head in the game. and thought, okay, it's not an RNN issue. It's not a Northern Ireland issue. This is a global issue. We're going to have to go with it, protect our families and then look for the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it is that sort of being able to realise that I can't control this. I can try and manage and influence as best I can with the team around me. Mm -hmm. But this is bigger than me and RNN. Yeah. Um, Okay. so, yeah, the retreat was (laughs) cancelled. Everybody was at home Um, and really importantly at that time the money was stopping coming in so cash flow yeah and when you've got employees that's when you think oh my goodness how am I going to look after everyone mm-hmm. uh was there enough support for you there we are agile and nimble and you know if you had have asked me last February about our office I would have had grand plans to yeah it's time to move we've got to get a new premises we need um new employees new blood 
and you know fast forward to April and I was um, thanking my lucky stars that I had this little office mm -hmm. that was very economical to run and that I could still go into every day myself that was a real blessing you know I could separate my my home um, with my working life um, and you know, we have a small team. We you, we have a much wider team of experts that we use, but they wouldn't be on our, our payroll as such. Um, but one of the things that I did really, I'm a big believer in what you give out, you get back. So a really early decision I made was I got all of the supplier invoices that were sitting beside my desk and paid every single one of them really early on. Did you? And these are people that I've worked with for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if we could help them in any way we could, we would do that. So did that, felt great, did P&L projections, cash flow for the year ahead on the unknown and A, B and C version. And then was just confident in that we would be fine. Um, so just, you know, if you look at any of these huge events in history, there are fortunately always winners and losers and there are opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it was just about getting my head in the game and trying to find those. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 And then the opportunities really, um, I work in the events industry as well, so yeah. yes, I sort of, I totally feel your pain when mm -hmm. everything was cancelled, but... You know, virtual events have sprung up and then, you know, the, the power of online now mm -hmm. and social media, that's really where it's at. Everybody has been sort of glued to their phones, glued to screens. You had a captive audience um, and, a, and a chance to reach people with your brands, with your products on behalf of your clients um, that you mightn't have reached before. Yeah. And so for clients that we maybe delivered social as an add on, it became a social strategy and how, you know, for any brands and companies out there, you really need to look at your social channels as being your own little curated magazine. This is your um, way of communicating with your audience. And equally important is the content is your is the size of your audience. So you do need to have a focus on what you're saying, but how many people you're saying it to and how you're reaching them. So, you know, that really... Um, I mean, that was a very good part of the business that performed very well. And we did win a number of accounts in social over the last year. Mm -hmm. I actually would love to ask you a bit more about that because I know that it interests a lot of people that it, that tune into this podcast. So you offer a wide range of services, including social media audits for businesses. Mm -hmm. So for anyone with an existing business or thinking of starting up a business, what three top tips would you give to them obviously we're not giving away things but we have you here now and we'd love to know what you could share with anyone to promote their business online okay so in terms of top tips I mean the big thing is that you must commit time and budget to it especially with the evolution of social you know it, the social media giants have created these monsters that we now need to feed but they want paid for it 
So it, it is really important to commit to commit both. We have um, numerous test cases in our office about organic um, activity over a period of, say, three months versus paid campaigns. The paid campaigns far exceed um, organic every single time. The budget doesn't need to be massive. So the first thing is commit your time and budget and schedule in your social. So social shouldn't be seen as an add-on. It should be seen as part of your marketing efforts. So take some time every week, especially if you're a small business and you, you're new, you're trying to do this yourself. Take a Sunday morning for an hour. Take a Monday night. Just schedule your posts for the week, ideally for the month. But don't leave it at that. You need to be reactive. You need to see what people are saying about you. So it must become part of your overall marketing efforts. Test and trials, the next tip. So, you know, you might be uh, you might have a message, but you can test how you how you convey that message via the graphics, via the text. Do it twice. Just do an A B testing and see which performs well. But the most important thing is then to measure it. Mm. You know, if you do the test, great, but what's it showing? Right. And don't be afraid to test and trial. We do that quite often for clients. We do little niche campaigns and see how they perform. So you could do a little pilot or something like that and, and yes. give it a go and then see the benefits of, of having the experts come in and take that pressure away from you. Yeah, absolutely. And then the third thing is, just in terms of general online, if you have the capabilities uh, to offer e-commerce on your website, even if it's just book a call with me or uh, book an appointment, buy a product for sure, people are scrolling. They are ready to purchase, to click, give them a call to action. So really try and incorporate some sort of e-commerce element to your um, offering if you can. Three great tips there. Um, the other thing, I know when I was starting my own business as well, it was kind of, re it, the message was always knowing which platform your, your customers were on. Um, but those platforms just keep appearing. I mean, where do you, where are you with TikTok right now? That seems to be the big thing. Yeah. Where am I with TikTok? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. Um, that's why, thankfully, we've got a team. Uh, but, you know, you're right. They are evolving and um, that's not entirely true. We do have an RNN account. Please don't check it. <laughs> um, the, the, so like, the big one is Facebook at the moment mm -hmm. because obviously it has acquired um, Instagram and WhatsApp. And um, so for most brands, regardless of your audience, you should have some sort of a profile. But then from that, your efforts may go into Instagram primarily or into Twitter. It really does depend on who you're trying to reach. For a number of our clients who... Um, would maybe offer more general services such as, you know, furniture, and it's quite a mass appeal. Um, we would have accounts across um, every platform, but we communicate differently in each of those platforms. Mm -hmm. But really, you need to have a marketing budget. Can you do it on your own or do you have to pay for ads? I think I do believe that you do need to have a budget. It does mm -hmm. not need to be a massive budget. Um we, op I mean, for some clients, we could be spending upwards of one to two thousand pounds a month on social. But for others, it could be 20 pounds. It could be 50 pounds. Put a small amount and test it. Mm -hmm. OK, brilliant. I love all of this. Um, let's go back a little bit. I'm yeah. jumping around a bit, but you started out there. We've, we kind of got from you being a freelance to then having a team. Mm -hmm. That's a big stage when you know you're starting out your own business but you are your business at that point and you realize the work's coming in i need to grow i need to scale this business did you get help to do that and how, and how did you build your team i i you know 
Sarah, you'll probably pick up that I am quite big into mindset. So it's all about making the decision. So once I made the decision I was going to have a team, I then started, you know, I did put quite a, quite a bit of emphasis on finding the right person. And to be honest, when I look back, now I don't really have regrets, but I procrastinated on that decision for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, once you have the people, the work will come. So don't ever chase the money would be one of my tips always. So... Um, did I get help? Not in those early days, no. I just forged ahead. I built the office. I started to recruit. Um, one thing I did that worked really well and still um, works very well for me today, all these years later, is built a network. So I joined a few networks. I remember the first time I went into a local network, it was full of a room of, um, you know, very, very corporate people. And I walked in thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, I just don't think I fit here. Like, those people are some of my um, closest confidants today. Wow. Um, You know, so the network had, like, five to six people, and now it's got, like, 25. Um, They have been really, really supportive over the last year, 14 months. They have all specialisms in every different area. Um, So build a network. That is a really, really good tip. Yeah, I think networking is fabulous. And if you just stay with people just like you, you're never going to open other doors. Isn't yeah, that right? And absolutely. it is the, the power of the of the network. Um, yeah, can't couldn't agree more there. Mm-hmm. You've worked with many big businesses, small businesses throughout the years across a variety of sectors. Are there any projects or campaigns you're most proud of and why? Well, I have been um, incredibly um I guess blessed in, in my career that I've worked across so many sectors and with so many exciting clients um, still there is rarely a brief that I get that I don't get excited by mm-hmm. so you know it doesn't really matter what it's in it's the fundamentals of communications they work for every sector every organisation but really when I look back and think about some of the campaigns that really have stood out they they have something in common which is that they are quite purpose driven um, and, you know, obviously purpose and results would be my two things. So CSR campaigns, corporate source, social responsibility campaigns really resonate with me because they're a win-win. It, it's not a logo on a sponsorship for a charity. That is not where we're at here. We are about making a brand come together with a charity to further that charity's aims and align to that the brand's profile or, you know, um, to um, address a few other challenges perhaps for the brand. So two of those campaigns really stand out. One of them being, um, for years I managed uh, Specsavers in Ireland, their uh, sponsorship with the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind. Mm -hmm. And it was a campaign called Shades for a Day. And it was with Roy Keane. And we ran that um, every year. And, you know, I loved that campaign. And how was Keno to work with? Brilliant. (laughs) I mean, I was a bit of a fan anyhow. you did sometimes open the door and think, well, which Ooh. Roy are we getting yeah. today? But every, you know, it was great. He gave so much time to that charity. Mm. He had such a, a close relationship with the charity and was willing to do his only media interview at the time of the year with a pack of like 50, 60 reporters. Um, for us, it wow. was one of the most high profile campaigns in Ireland. Um, I remember that we delivered um, one of those Shades campaigns on uh, the day that Bertie Hearn resigned, you know, and as a PR person, you're like, oh, uh-huh. there's the news agenda gone. Yeah. But no, we still got some front pages too. So it really held a lot of weight. Um, and another campaign that I'm particularly proud of and that we're involved with is uh, 
Gala Retail is a convenience client of ours in Ireland. They're a sponsorship um, of Special Olympics Ireland. So that is a sponsorship that I introduced the brand to. Mm-hmm. We are on year seven. We've even sent uh, Jill from the office to Abu Dhabi to the World Summer Games. Um, so Gala basically helped to fund um, the Special Olympics Ireland programme for 10,000 athletes who uh, reside in every town and village in Ireland. And it really does make a difference. We've got to know a lot of those athletes and... You know, that is one thing I miss, that we, we haven't been able to get to those activations and those clubs aren't operating, you know, in person the way they, they would normally be. So hopefully, you know, we can't wait to see a return to yeah. that. Um, obviously, Special Olympics uh, and, you know, the examples that you've given there, it just it shows absolutely that, that you care and you care about purpose. And I'm wondering if you could work with any brand in the world, who would it be? And why? Okay. So, you know, Sarah, it is hard for me to add to this because I basically would work with so many companies. But from a personal um, point of view, there's some brands I absolutely admire, like Tesla. I've been watching Tesla from afar for years Mm -hmm. now. I love this story, how Elon, you know, I do Mm -hmm. like people that are, you know, slightly eccentric. So, um, Tesla is an amazing brand. Um, I was going to say Vivian Westwood, and then I had to think about it. And we've actually done a bit of work for Vivian Westwood, and um, I've twice now um, <laughs> over the years. You so just forgotten? Yeah, not directly, <laughs> but mm-hmm. we launched at the handbag collection in Ireland oh, fifteen years ago, first ever launch, and then um, a couple of years ago, an amazing. Uh, wedding boutique called the White Gallery, which is in Bern, actually, just not far from here, um, became the first ever stockist of Vivian Westwood Bridal. So uh, we helped um, Rachel Morgan at the White Gallery launch that. So, yeah, that's another one. But another brand that I absolutely love is Ghani. It's a clothes brand, fashion brand. They're very big on renewables and sustainability. They are authentic in their communications. They release a sustainability report to their shoppers. People who shop at Ghani care about those and values. They, um, you know, but it goes right through their supply chain. It's not just a tick box exercise. And lastly, you see, I could work with, like, I mean, you could work with anyone. Yeah, I'm so, I get excited by any brand. But here, um, there is a company in Ireland called um, Mars Pharmacies. And I have, I'm a great admirer from afar. They do awesome um, work. They have really transformed their business to be um, e-commerce. And I would love that opportunity to do something mm-hmm. like that for a Northern Ireland brand. I'd love to ask you who you wouldn't work with, but we'll leave that <laughs> because you'll, you, you, you can. Yeah, don't them. ask because no. I probably will tell you. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Would yeah. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, for anyone also uh, that might be tuning in this to this today and they're thinking they'd like to make a career in the PR industry, what kind of person do you need to be? You need to be inquisitive, you need to be creative, and. Um, you need to enjoy fast-paced, a fast-paced environment. That's, you know, particularly relevant for the agency world. Um, PR and, um, you know, communication, social media, it really is quite 24-7 at the moment, so you do need to love it. Um, but saying that, and I'm a member of actually the PRCA committee in Northern Ireland, and that's even introduced me to how diverse the profession is. So from agency like ours, which is fast-paced, multiple sectors, to in-house, where you're really focused on one brand, to public sector, which, again, is very different, where, you know, you're dealing with, you know, the major crisis of the day or the next change in in government. So, 
you know, it is a very diverse profession, but there is huge opportunities with it. And, you know, it's a vibrant industry here in Northern Ireland. Mm. So I would say find the right place for you and go for it. Well, that's a really good point because that's what we're seeing more and more now that it's not the employer choosing the employee. It's the employee choosing who they want to work for. And I would say with you at the helm, RNN Communications is a great place to work. And you've already alluded to the fact that you... uh, take on board different personalities, different ways of working. And I see from a recent blog post that your business recently introduced a four-day week with no salary sacrifice. And no one really picked up on that, but that's that's a biggie. Um, why did you introduce that and how is it going? Okay, so <laughs> this is something I've been thinking about um, well before the pandemic. And, you know, I was starting to introduce a few of these um, different initiatives. So, you know, setting your own hours, flexible working. I, for the last couple of years, have taken the first Monday of every month off as my dad day. So I spent it with my dad. So it was always the first Monday of every month. No meetings for Ricky or calls. She's out. Um, So we had started to do a few things. I had been, um, every time I heard about four day week on the radio, I really perked up and I looked into that company. And then the pandemic arrived. Our working lives had changed. You know, my usual working life is driving to Dublin twice a week. Um, so obviously we were clawing back a lot of travel time. Yeah. And I thought, okay, let's give this a go. Ask the team, what do you think? Can we make it work? No, we want to work yeah. harder. Yeah. We want to six days a week. So, they, you know, they were like, oh, are you open to this? And I was like, yeah, you know, we're going to have to find our feet with it. But let's make it work. So um, it was a trial basis to start off with. We didn't feel the need to tell anyone because for any um, any of our clients, there's always two people work on the business. So at no point would both of those people be out of the office. So there was no impact on client service. Uh, so we decided to do the trial. Um, that worked really well. So at the end of the year, I needed to make a decision on are, are we continuing with this? So I did, obviously I spoke to the staff um, and the team, you know, were they satisfied with this arrangement? You know, they were pretty satisfied yes. with this arrangement. <laughs> then I looked at some of the other key metrics that we'd set in place, like productivity, income and profits. Every one of them was up. Mm. So it's really hard to argue with that. Wow. Like everything's in front of me saying, you know, we're doing more work. We have increased our turnover. We have delivered better profits and we're working four days a week. So just like the social media campaigns, the marketing campaigns, you evaluate and you look at the figures. And if the figures are showing increased productivity, yeah. better staff satisfaction and no change with customers no- noticing anything, yeah. then keep it going. Keep it going. Now, again, this uh, I certainly don't want to um, portray that everything is simple. It's certainly not. We had to find our feet. You know, although I do operate quite a flexible environment, we needed structure with that. And as we move to a more normal life where meetings, we have to travel, Mm -hmm. you know, we we will, I'm sure, be tested on this. Um, But I do believe that with a bit of will and persistence that we will make it happen. And also, so will you go back to having, will you drive to Dublin twice a week or will you continue the Zooms for meeting purposes? I think it'll just be like our approach to um, working from the office that is going to be much more blended. Um, I will be very mindful of my time. Um, so at the moment, you know, this four day week does include me. Um, we are flexible with it, however, you know, um, but 
I do try on my day not to organise client calls, but I may work on the business, but I just will not be sitting at the desk that day. So, you know, we're just going to have to evolve with how things start to progress and, and return to normal. Um, but I no, I don't presume I will be travelling just as much. I will try and be more efficient. I'm intrigued to find out, you know, it is a fast-paced industry that you're working in and when things if they get back to normal you know events late nights early mornings always being switched on always looking fabulous you know there's a lot of pressure there and I wonder what you've learned maybe during this time and I'm, I'm interested to know a little bit more about how you switch off so retreats mm. and your dad day mm-hmm. tell me about dad day so yeah um I am quite holistic in some of my thinking so I have a bit of a morning routine you know it starts with gratitude I try and do some meditation um I'm big on setting goals so you know I'll really try and visualize the goals for the year um that morning um my family are very important to me I'm an only child so it's just me and my parents we are a tight little unit oh I am married too <laughs> yes yeah you forgot about that yeah. forgot about that husband. And, um, uh, so yeah and I have a really core group of friends. I have nine nine girlfriends. And when you're an only child, you know, your friends are seriously important. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, dad days is really important to me because, you know, I see my parents quite a bit, but it's a bit rushed. Mm. You know, you're working a lot during the week. I was traveling a lot. Weekends were very precious. So my dad had retired and I just felt that, you know, would I regret spending time with him? No, never. never. So I was going to make it happen. Um, so yeah, so we headed to Harry Shack for lunch one day. We've been to Glen Arm Castle. It, it, equally, it might be that I need some furniture and he'll come with me and we'll choose it and help to construct it, you know. I'm sure he loves that. Yeah, so it was just, her, uh, you know, my dad's day and, and my day to hang out. Um, so we haven't had so many of those recently, but um, I do get to spend still quite a lot of time. They live very close to me, so I'm very lucky with them. That's wonderful. Um, finally, Ricky, the yes. purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs out there to grow their business by offering insight into the success of companies such as yours as RNN. What's the other N stand for? What's the other it's N a secret? Is it? No, it's Ricky <laughs> Nicole Neal. Uh, and this actually goes back to whenever I first started the company, I called it 2B Marcom. So 2B Marketing Communications. Um, and I headed to um, this de- personal development um, course with some senior people, much more senior than I, over two days. And we had to give feedback at the end of it. And their feedback to me was, you know, we really, we, we're excited by you. We're excited by what you can do. We are not excited by that name. Oh. It's absolutely rubbish. <laughs> so uh, it, it needs to be about you, even though you don't want it to be about you. So um, I was driving to the North Coast with my friends and I was like, what are we going to call, what am I going to call this place? So we just settled on, let's keep it simple, RNN. Yeah, and so it that's it. It's standalone kind of now. It's RNN. And now I know it's Nicole in there. Yeah. So what advice finally would you give people who may have that business idea but have no idea where to begin or are they're unsure as to whether or not it's a risk worth taking? So it's a bit like um, my approach to our working life and why I do things like the four day week, um, no salary sacrifice on five days. This is our life. We have one life. So when you make decisions, it's not a simple decision. It's what are you trading your life for? So if you're in an unhappy job and you have a business idea, or if you're in any job but you just think there's something better or something greater, 
by not having a go at it, you're trading your life for that. So I do believe that if you are thinking about something, if it's still there in the morning, if you think about it when you go to bed, go for it. With the biggest um, risks come the biggest rewards. And of course, you know, there would be people with money worries about leaving a full-time job. But really, when you have the passion and ambition for something and the drive, it will happen. You know, like when you can see your goal, the obstacles will give way. Ricky Nicole Neal <laughs> from RNN Communications. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.